This is Gulf Coast Life. I'm Mike Canary. Thanks for joining us. Autocracy is a word that carries a lot of weight and is not one we're used to hearing in the United States when describing our political system or those in elected positions. Autocracy's defining feature is the concentration of power in the hands of a few, allowing them to exercise significant control over the political, economic, and social aspects of a country. There's a newly formed group still in its infancy that's being created by Southwest Floridians in response to what they say are growing autocratic trends here in Florida and more broadly across the United States. It's called Floridians for Democracy, and today I'm joined by three of its founding members. Jim Nathan co-founded Floridians for Democracy, which is an outgrowth of their initial steering committee called the 1939 Project with his wife Karen. Jim served as CEO for Lee Health for 34 years and since retiring has been an adjunct professor and executive in residence for the Mary Ebb College of Health and Human Services at FGCU. Dr. Robert Hilliard is a humanitarian, activist, educator, author, playwright, and World War II veteran. He was a professor and dean at Emerson College in Boston for more than three decades. And Caitlin Telgren is a senior at FGCU studying sociology and gender studies, and she founded FGCU's chapter of Generation Action with Planned Parenthood. I spoke with them last Thursday. Let's hear that now. Jim, welcome to Gulf Coast Life. Thank you for having us. And Bob, it's good to see you again. It's my pleasure. Thank you. And Caitlin, thank you for being with us today. Thanks for having me. So, uh, Jim, let's start with you. Start from the beginning. Um, when did the idea for this new group, is it fair to call it a group? Um, we're a group. Okay. Uh, I don't know if there's an emerging, a formal... Emerging, growing group. Uh, we're, we package ourselves under the title Floridians for Democracy. Mm-hmm. But we weren't that uh, only just a few weeks ago. So give us the sort of origin story of how this idea first came to be. So I've been heavily involved with uh, Voices for Racial Justice for a number of years. And I saw the um, almost pulling back of the energy that occurred after the um, horrendous murder of George Floyd. And that was beginning to bother me. And I started talking to people about why are we losing our energy? We have so much work to do. And... What I began to ascertain was one of the black persons said to me, now you know how we feel every day of our lives. And what I was seeing and beginning to be concerned about was a a growing autocratic direction, both nationally and in Florida and internationally as well. So I began to talk more to friends and individuals about what their perceptions were. And one morning, a few weeks ago, my wife said to me, we need to start the 1939 project. And I knew immediately what she meant. They came for someone else, but not for me. And who was there to speak up? And so if we were aware of things that we were perceiving, we needed to speak up. So we had a small group of people come to our home. And the reason we did that is that we identified individuals that we had come into contact with that were afraid for their jobs, that had fears and concerns, didn't feel they could do what they were trained to do effectively, didn't know what was legal or not legal and what was going to be illegal, et cetera. And a number of them have remained in the background but are very interested. So they were in our house. We had this uh, phenomenal discussion, but it was very depressing. And at the end of the discussion, my wife said, "Um, we can't leave without something (laughs) going forward. So we had the discussion and we started talking about trying to put together a group of individuals from uh, uh, the Naples and Fort Myers area, Collier and and Lee County. 
And uh, we were trying to think about a venue. All this happened that first day. Where could we bring people together? And then we started realizing by the time we could pull all the people together uh, and convince them as to what it was that we were trying to do, we would have lost the legislative session and we would have gotten into the summer months and we'd lose a lot of people. So the next question was what to do. So we decided to do a focus group uh, from Sarasota to Naples of about 20 to 30 people on April the 3rd and just get a, um, a taste of the temperament and the, the feelings that were there. Well, as we were trying to set up the focus group, people said that we were contacting, that people would contact someone else. And they said, well, we know so-and-so. Could that person participate? And we didn't want to say they couldn't. So we ended up, um, our 20 to 30 person focus group was 85 people. And it was emotional, and, uh, but very important, and avoid us to say we need to do something. So a week later, our small little core group decided that we wanted to proceed under the umbrella of Floridians for Democracy and that we would look at it from uh, a broader perspective because we had so many and decided why not be statewide as opposed to just Sarasota to Naples. And the work would be the same and the same pressures and emotions would be there. So that then led to uh, a, a second uh, Zoom uh, session, which we had on May the 1st. And we have uh, now about 350 individuals signed up. We had about 150 on the call on May the 1st. And uh, we have our second call coming up this coming Monday, third call this coming Monday night, when we will talk about specific goals and opportunities and how to engage the uh, 350 people to move forward and actually do some act, action activities. We'll get to some examples that you can cite as to what you see as being you know, autocratic tendencies. But when I saw that name, 1939 Project, I thought I knew where it was coming from. I Googled what happened in 1939. That's when Hitler invaded Poland. Do you, are you concerned that there might be a sense of hyperbole from people who hear this, that you think you're overstating a case? Or, well, I'm sure or, there will be people that will feel that way. I mean, clearly, that they don't even see an issue that feel like all the decisions that have been made this year in Florida are, are good ones. And what's, what's the beef? Um, the reality is, is that where that really came from that morning in mid-February was the, I don't know what year anniversary it was, but well, the, of, um, it was in 1939. 20,000 people in Madison Square Gardens, America first, and believing that the Nazi movement was the right movement. And then we see these rallies going on in this country, and we see issues related to all of our legislative branches potentially at risk. And you start feeling like, you know what, this doesn't feel right. And then when you begin to talk to people, and, and certainly somebody like Bob is here today, that experienced and fought for the livelihood of this nation and, and seeing what he's seeing right now, which is wonderful to have him here. And when you talk to young people like Caitlin and you see their concerns, you begin to realize that somebody needs to speak up and speak out on this. I have no idea. The other side, the, the I think more autocratic side is extremely well organized. The morning that my wife mentioned that to me, I, I do audio books and I was listening while I was out walking. And it happened to be a chapter that shared a, a specific story. It said when the Apple laptop computer first came out, 25,000 were bought by a far right, right group that then were strategically placed around the country and encrypted so they could teach and educate each other how to use words like freedom and liberty and democracy 
when in reality they were looking at for white nationalism and basically uh, white power. Um, cite some examples of things, you know, let's look at the 2023 legislative session and or recent policies that have been enacted here in Florida. What do you see as aligning with what you call autocratic? So the party that has touted itself as um, less government, uh, more freedom, is actually controlling more government. So even if you're not into issues from abortion to gun violence, et cetera, local control is being taken away from cities and counties and consolidated at the state level, which is really problematic. Um, but I look at other things that I've been involved in, and, and I see the, the diversity training. And I see organizations that have developed tremendous talent to bring people together uh, to understand the cultures and the diversity and to see how diversity can be so helpful and is the future of our nation. And I see that being stamped down. I see things like the, um, what's being taught in schools. And, uh, and, and that's part of autocratic direction or fascism even is when you start telling people what they can teach and start limiting the thinking and the open nature of, uh, of, of education. So when you start impacting that, and then when I saw the new college situation occur, taking over of a public university rapidly overnight and, and just throwing away the culture that had been developed, that was another warning signal. And the discussion about what books can be had. A parent should certainly have the right to say to a teacher, I don't want my child to read that book or be a part of that. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. But to have a parent be able or someone not even in this state say, I don't want uh, that book, and then that has to go through this whole review process and be pulled off the shelf and not be able to be used, um, that's all wrong. And so those were the kind of signals. And then listening to the people that were fearful for their jobs, that became like, wow, this is serious. Bob Hilliard, I want to bring you into the conversation now. Um, you served in World War II. You've had a diverse career. You know, you've done many things in your life. For starters, can you define for our listeners autocracy? You know, like how would you define autocracy? And then we can go on to whether you think what's happening is that. Okay. I won't give you the, give you the definition immediately because I want to lead up to it if I have a few minutes. But of course. I very much appreciate Karen and Jim's work because it reflects my feeling and my concerns. And I am here today as a continuation of my last time on your show. And do you have any idea what I mean? I absolutely know what you mean. Okay. Uh, that was your show about a song that has something to do with an important part of your life. And if you remember, I sang April in Paris. I'll never forget it. Okay. That song was about the first time I saw Paris, and that was April 12th, 1945, the day FDR died, incidentally. And it was my first time in Paris, and I was an American soldier in uniform. I had just gotten out of the hospital. I was being assigned uh, to a non-combat Army Air Force unit from a combat infantry unit. That changed my life, literally. Because at that point, becoming uh, an editor of our base newspaper, I found myself dealing with survivors of concentration camps. And I saw firsthand 
for the first time what autocracy can do to a state and to the people. And I saw at that time the kinds of things that were done. I began to look at the development of autocracy in Weimar Republic of Germany. Germany was a republic. It was taken over by the far right, by the radical right wing. And what did they do? One of the first things they did was to marginalize homosexuals. Don't say gay, in effect, what Hitler did. They banned books. They burned books. They got rid of unions. Read today's news press and took over the unions. They, uh, in Germany at the time, a woman, Nazi Germany, a woman could be told, could be forced to have an abortion or not have an abortion. I thought, oh, at the time, wonderful. Uh, in the United States, women had freedom of choice. No more choice, not in this state of Florida. I could go on with a long line of litany of the various things that happened in autocratic Germany leading up to a Holocaust. Little by little, as Jim pointed out, a number of things, parallels, similar, that scared the, the, the hell out of me because I saw what happens to a state, what happens to a people when that is allowed to happen. So I am grateful to Karen and Jim to have a chance to participate. And I gave my blood in World War II. And I'm willing to give it again to protect and help the people of Florida avoid the kind of authoritarian control of the public and the people that is now happening in Florida. What do you say to somebody who was, who's listening who would say the Republican legislature in Florida with its supermajority was voted into power and Governor Ron DeSantis was, was voted into office by Floridians in a free and fair election? Oh, well, of course, uh, as people say, uh, our governor is following the law. The legislature passed the law, right? And he's following the law, even if people feel that some of the laws are unjust. And all I can say is that concept was taken care of in the Nuremberg trials. I'd like to take a moment to reintroduce my guests. Dr. Bob Hilliard is a humanitarian, activist, educator, author, and playwright. He served in World War II. He was a professor and dean at Emerson College in Boston for more than three decades and remains professor emeritus, among a number of other roles he's held over the years. Jim Nathan is co-founder of the new group Floridians for Democracy. That's what we're discussing today. He served as CEO for Lee Health for 34 years and since retiring has been an adjunct professor and executive in residence at Florida Gulf Coast University. And Caitlin Telgren is a senior at FGCU studying sociology and gender studies. They're all members of the new Floridians for Democracy group. It's pushing back against what they see as autocratic trends in Florida's government, especially during the 2023 legislative session, which just wrapped up, during which Republican lawmakers used their supermajority status in both chambers to pass pretty much any legislation they or Governor DeSantis wanted to be passed. If you'd like to engage with today's show about 
about our topic, just find us on Facebook or on Twitter. Caitlin, I want to bring you into the conversation now. Um, just tell us a bit about yourself and your background, for starters. Um, so I'm Caitlin. I'm a 25-year-old senior at FGCU. Um, I got started with my advocacy work through Planned Parenthood. Um, I founded the Club Generation Action on campus, which led me to testify in Tallahassee against the abortion law that they just passed and about the don't say gay law and book ban. Uh, what drives your political advocacy? Is it something you've always had in you or has it arisen more recently? Um, I think it has arisen more recently. Um, through classes at FGCU, I took Dr. Miller's class on pregnancy and power, and that really drove me to work with reproductive justice. I've always considered myself like a feminist, but I didn't really know how to get involved until I started working with Planned Parenthood and I saw all the ways that I could use my voice and my experience to help make a change. How would you say um, your average fellow student um, keeps up with this kind of news? Do you think that the topics that we're talking about today would come as a surprise to people or that they're following it to some degree? I think... Um, it's harder for young people to realize what's going on just because they might not watch the news. They're probably getting their news from social media. Um, so some of them may be following certain or specific issues that would affect them personally. But I think that there's a lot of issues that are coming through legislation that would affect them that they don't even know about right now. Are they all aware of the new six-week abortion ban that's been passed now? Um, I think most women are, um, but I have talked to some people that have no idea that that ban is being passed. Um, how did you become aware of, of, of this group? I was contacted through Melinda Isley to come to the first meeting in April with Floridians for Democracy. Jim mentioned what's going on at New College as an FGCU student. Um, are you following that pretty closely? Yeah, I'm following what's happening at New College. I think that what's happening at such a liberal and free-thinking school is dangerous and um, could easily be done at a school like FGCU. Are you concerned that that could happen at FGCU? I mean, some legislation has been passed which does affect operations here, uh, not to the degree that we've seen at New College, but are you concerned about that? Yeah, so um, House Bill 999 or Senate <clears throat> Bill 266 is super concerning in the ways that it would affect DEI programs, it would affect organizations, um, majors and minors in our classes. So I do see that that would have an impact on FGCU's campus and their faculty. Jim, I want to pivot back to you now. Um, I understand that the conversation we're having now is going to be the first time that this movement has been introduced to the public. Is that correct? Yes. Can you talk about, you said you have about 300 plus people now that you're about connected three, to. 350 now. 350. Can you talk about the, the who are in that list of 350 people? Like how, you know, we have a, a person in his mid-90s, if I'm not mistaken, and a person in her mid-20s. Actually, so we, 98. 98. Next month. It's been, I, last time I asked you, Bob, it was 94. It's been too <laughs> long. It's been long. Um, so a 98-year-old and a 25-year-old, so we've got age covered, but how, how broad is the spectrum otherwise? So one of the persons from Longboat Key uh, shared with me the other day, she was so impressed with the diversity uh, that's emerging within this group. Uh, but there are a lot of individuals who are very strong activists in specific areas. And the coming together is the realization that their area of interest for advocacy is seriously at risk. 
So like I mentioned earlier that I've been involved with racial justice issues and I've seen that at risk, but the women's rights, the, uh, the education, et cetera, and, and being an adjunct professor here in my executive and residence role, I'm very aware of what's happening at the university level. And what I do see is, is kind of a traditional aspect of, of autocratic direction is fear. So it may not be a law where the law may be gray but the fear of doing something wrong. So I talked to a history professor, not at FGCU, but somewhere else in Florida, who's really smart. He's a white man who is an expert on black history and also the issue of, of basically um, uh, white racism. And, uh, and he's so smart. And he said, I don't even make very much money a year. I have, I have multiple children. I live in a very inexpensive home in, one, in a, a relatively poor neighborhood. And yet I do what I do because I love it and I feel that I'm good at it. But I don't even know what I can say anymore. And so that becomes the fear that comes out of this. Have any of the people who've become involved um, been traditionally you know, Republicans, conservatives, those on the political right? Our goal is to reach out to everybody, is to be nonpartisan. There's no question the vast majority are Democrats that have stepped forward that um, have been active in various issues. But to be successful, we're going to need uh, NPAs. We're going to need Republicans that are unhappy and concerned about this direction. I think when, when people in city and county governments and, um, and zoning issues begin to realize that that home rule, local control and decisions about uh, apartment rents or whatever have all been taken away from them, uh, I think that's going to wake up a number of people and be concerned. Uh, but we need to reach out to everybody. 2.6 million registered Democrats did not vote mm -hmm. in 2022. Over 2 million no party affiliates that were registered did not vote. And one of the things you begin to see as we do research around uh, autocratic direction is the weaker the voting is, the, le the more that it becomes um, us against them, the more that there's hate that comes into this, the more there is distrust to the other side, the wider the gap gets and the more powerful those that have the money and the control become. And clearly in Florida, um, we've been emerging towards this supermajority for many, many years. Uh, and now it's happened at a specific moment. And, uh, and these laws have been passed by that supermajority with almost no uh, uh, dissent. I mean, there's been dissent on the other party, but it's been, you know, there's no way to overcome it. And to really to come to a, uh, a, a more moderate direction on these policies. I talked to Barbara Peterson. She's from the Center for Government Accountability. The conversation was about the exemptions that they've now carved into the travel logs and the visitor to the you know, governor's mansion logs in the sunshine laws, um, which I think falls into what you're describing. Yeah, it's probably. creating less transparency right. within government. But the point she made during that interview is, is that they've got it set up now that even, even if you drive all the way to Tallahassee and you want to speak before the legislature, they give you like a minute and that's probably part of that too, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's not just here. I mean, in Texas, uh, there was a, a, a discussion that went on for 10 consecutive hours, um, and it was all to stop things that were happening in education and higher education. 
And after it was over, I, they haven't finalized it yet, but I doubt that the voices, there were hardly any voices there to speak in support of the legislation, but I assume they'll go ahead with it. Are there any, and you know, I don't know if you can divulge this or not, are there any current or former elected officials involved in your group at this point? Um, I don't know the answer to that. There certainly could be because this has happened so fast that people that um, are pretty well connected and, and uh, have been vocal, but I honestly don't know of any elected officials, but I don't know that there aren't. There's um, another group forming over on the East Coast that I'm aware of, and I did see their emails were posted by somebody that was sending an email to somebody, and I have no idea how I got it, but um, I reached out to them. But they did; those emails did seem to have a lot of, um, of, of political names that I recognized. Um, I reached out to him, but I haven't heard back from him at all. Um, as we start to wrap up, let's put a concrete, you know, mark on this. You know, what are your goals? You know, what are the action items that you hope to move toward with uh, Floridians for Democracy? So that happens on uh, Monday night. Um, and Monday the 15th. Yes, Monday the 15th, that we actually go through those goals. But the, the primary uh, mission is to bring organizations, to network organizations, that are concerned about the uh, viability of democracy in Florida and use the, the uh, growing powerful voice of those individuals and their organizations that they represent. We're not looking to become a, a PAC. We're not looking to take over somebody's mission. We want to combine their missions together to do something that their mission would be lost if we couldn't come together to protect democracy. Uh, Bob, um, you know, what do you see as your role in this? You know, have you written any op-eds, perhaps, you know, a book or a play that works with these themes? I mean, you know, your voice carries a lot of weight. Uh, well, yes, I send in op-eds and I send in letters to the editor. And I think people who do not have the capacity or interest in getting out and picketing or uh, demonstrating can always do that kind of thing. My, my uh, physical ability is somewhat limited now, obviously, but I do what I can do. And it seems to me that all of the people who are interested in doing something about authoritarianism in the state can do something even if it's picking up the phone and calling a friend and telling them to consider what is happening. That's what I'm doing. Now, uh, yes, I've written books. Um, one of the books, 1990, called Waves of Rancor, Tuning in the Radical Right. And in that, my uh, co-author, Michael Keith, and myself predicted, presaged, the kinds of things that are happening now, not only in Florida, but in the United States, Texas, Montana, all these other states. And we are not abashed to say fascism is growing. People don't like the word fascism, but it's growing, it's here, and just as the good Germans in the 1930, you know, not all Germans were Nazis, obviously, they sat back, well, it can't happen here. Or, well, this is one thing they won't do any worse. We have been doing the same thing, particularly in Florida. As Jim pointed out, good Floridians, good Americans did not vote. And they allowed the fascists to take over. I feel this is what happened here in Florida 
with the re-election of our governor. And I hope that this group, Floridians for Democracy, will let people know that they cannot sit back and continue to lead a life of democracy. Caitlin, I'm going to give you the last word. You know, you're the next generation. You know, what would you say to your fellow students? Do you work with other students? You know, what are, what are your action items going forward in this regard? I think just making sure that the students on campus know how to register to vote, where to register to vote, where they're going to go and vote to make sure that they know they need to reapply to do a mail-in ballot. I also think that one way to get students involved is protesting, showing up at your legislator's office, asking for a meeting, calling them, any way that they can feel they can get involved. Do you think the younger generation is willing to become politically involved? I think that the younger generation is willing to get involved because a lot of the legislation that is passing right now does affect them and affect their futures and their education. All right. Well, that is all the time we have for the show today. I want to thank my guest, Caitlin Telgren, is a senior at FGCU studying sociology and gender studies. Caitlin, thanks for being here. Thank you. And uh, Dr. Bob Hilliard is a humanitarian activist, educator, author, and playwright, as well as a veteran of World War II, among many other things. Bob, it's been great talking to you. And thank you, Mike, for having this on the show and dealing with this subject. And Jim Nathan is co-founder of Floridians for Democracy. He served as CEO for Lee Health for 34 years and since retiring has been an adjunct professor and executive in residence here at FGCU. Jim, thank you so much for your time as well. Honored to be here. Floridians for Democracy is still such a new group that they don't have a formal online presence yet, but you can find their contact information on our website, wgcu.org gcl. We're going to work to invite any of our local Republican state lawmakers to join us on this show to present their response to the concerns presented by our guests today, as well as Governor DeSantis. Our show today was produced by yours truly. Our director is Richard Chinqui. Our social media coordinator is Tara Calligan. For now, thanks for listening. I'm Mike Canire. This is WGCU-FM, Fort Myers 90.1, WMKO Marco Island 91.7 FM. We are NPR for Southwest Florida.